You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. Today, we're going to talk about sleep. And you might have heard me talk about sleep before, but there are so many different things you can do to improve your performance in sleeping. What? Performance? Yes. I just want you to get better sleep in less time, which is why I have a variety of guests on the show talking about sleep and all the different things you can do uh, because it has the highest ROI of anything besides maybe eating the right way. And it turns out eating the right way makes you sleep better. Sleeping better makes you eat the right way. So it's kind of like the Ouroboros, the thing, the snake that eats its own tail. Our guest today has been on the show a few times and is working really hard on creating biohacking formulations that do very specific things that you probably haven't seen before. His name is Matt Gallant. He's a trained in, kines- in kinesiology and strength and conditioning coaching for professional athletes. And uh, you've probably known him from the times he's been on the show before. Matt, welcome back. Always great to be here, and I'm excited to record the greatest sleep episode that's ever happened on your show. I'm glad that you have uh, low standards, uh, as do I, uh, because if this isn't the best, most informative episode ever, I'm going to be very, very disappointed, and then I'll have to go take a nap because I won't have slept even more efficiently. Very few people that I've met have spent 45 grand on improving their sleep, so I'm ready. I'm ready to bring all the best of the best and share what worked, what didn't work. And more importantly, you know, help people get better sleep tonight. Uh, you and I are both veteran sleep hackers. And, uh, and I think you've got some cool stuff to teach about how this works. Talk to me about why sleep is what you're working on next with bioptimizers. Because uh, there's a lot of sleep stuff out there. There's tech and there's even sleep supplements. So why this? <laughs> There's a lot of sleep stuff out there. There's tech and there's even sleep supplements. So why this? First, I'll share my sleep stories. In my 20s, I was obsessed with being productive. I was working 80 hours in the gym. I was recording a hard rock album, studying marketing, training twice a day, and trying to live life. So my, my strategy was, let me try to decrease sleep by 15 minutes every few days. My thought was, I can adapt function. Uh, It worked pretty good until I got to sub five hours. It was a really interesting experiment because if I ate the wrong thing, I instantly crashed. If I became even dehydrated, like a micro amount, I'd crash. But if I kept everything optimized, I could function. But when I got to four hours, it just crashed and burned. Um, I read a book called Power Sleep by James Moss. Ah, that old book. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of a revolutionary book at its time. And talked about sleeping nine hours a night. So I started doing that. It took me about two months to recover from all the sleep deprivation. And then fast forward a few years, the Zeo comes out, the O-ring comes out, and I started tracking my deep sleep. It was zero minutes. So it was zero to 15 minutes. And a good night, I get 15 minutes. And I was sleeping nine hours a night, waking up feeling like crap. You know, I was three to four pounds, dehydrated, I went to get my testosterone tested. It was in the low 200s. This is in my 30s. My body fat was the highest I've ever recorded on a DEXA scan. I just didn't feel good. And I remember I was in Vancouver and I just had that epiphany 
that the number one thing I can invest in that's going to level up my life on every level is sleep. So since that time, since that moment, I've just been obsessed with enhancing my sleep and that started the journey. So it was just kind of a gradual thing. I started investing in custom-made mattresses by Essentia, which by the way, I think is one of the best mattress companies there is. Um, they were at your show. They're, they're awesome. Yep. I've got, I've got a couple of them. Yeah. Great, great technologies. Then this, the chili pad was a game changer. We'll talk about the sleep disruptors in, in a little bit. You know, I've got Faraday cages. I've tried all the PEMFs and a lot of stuff works. And, you know, one of the most important principles I think in biological optimization is compounding and stacking. We've talked about that before, Dave. And, you know, each thing was improving, you know, it was going from 15 minutes to 30 to 45 to 60 to 75 and, and so on and so forth. However, it was only until I started playing around with sleep molecules and targeting different sleep pathways that I really started to get 90 plus minutes of deep and two hours, two and a half, three hours of REM. So we'll talk about those a little bit. But I think that when you talk about sleep, it's one of the few things that, of course, long-term, if you look at the longevity data, if you don't sleep enough or if you sleep too much, your longevity is compromised, which is interesting. So I think if you sleep too much, and I remember you, you said this on one of your shows, it's probably because you're not that healthy, right? And I've noticed that as I become healthier and healthier, as I optimize my body, I need less sleep. So now I sleep about seven to seven and a half, and I feel exponentially better than I did sleeping nine. So all the things we're going to talk about today are going to help you, again, get more efficient sleep, which I know you're a big believer in, Dave, and I am as well, so that you can wake up and feel awesome. But the interesting thing about sleep, it's not just long-term. If you have one poor night of sleep, you are compromised the next day. We're talking about damaged DNA. Your neurotransmitters are compromised. Your ability to burn body fat is, compared to muscle mass, is completely destroyed. Your mood, your ability mm -hmm. to you know, exert willpower on the right things. Like it's just this cascading negative effects and it's immediate. I mean, it would be arguable to, you know, is, is going to McDonald's and eating a happy meal less destructive than one night of bad sleep? Um, probably not, you know, so it's, it's a really big one. You know, we we're talking about some of the damages of sleep, your hippocampus gets destroyed. When, when you're too stressed out, your hippocampus will be compromised. And one of the ways you can know that's happening is your short-term memory shot. And I've noticed that in my own life. If my stress gets past a certain point, I'll start to notice my short-term memory gets compromised. And typically, that's, that's your hippocampus. We're talking about DNA damage. Here's an interesting mm -hmm. stat. During daylight savings time, when we lose one hour of sleep, heart attacks go up 24% the next day. During the fall, it goes down 21%. So that's how impactful just even losing or gaining one hour of sleep is on our health. You know, I spent six months in Japan. I lived in Japan for a while. It was always shocking to me to see people like literally micro nap on the subways. It seemed like 40, 50% of people were just napping, standing up. And yeah, but 38% of people unintentionally fall asleep during the day, which is definitely a sign that you're tired. But the, the scarier stat, and I remember experiencing this when I was in university, but almost 5% of people admit to falling asleep at the wheel at least once during the past month. So yeah, sleep is key. And I think it's kind of mm -hmm. the ultimate biohack. Uh, I think it's the ultimate 
you know, it'll level you up in every single area of your life, both cognitively, mood, body fat, muscle building. Like it's really the ultimate, I think. And it's funny. I I would agree with you there. Uh, I came at it in a very similar way to you. Like I'll sleep when I'm dead. Less sleep is is better. And I still believe that to a certain point, not that I'll sleep when I'm dead, but less sleep is better as long as you're getting really good sleep. So that if if your deep sleep and your REM sleep are off the charts, it is better to get more free time as long as you're not paying for it later. And what we were both doing in our 20s was burning ourselves out, getting really bad sleep and probably not enough. And the overtraining thing doesn't help us sleep either, which is something we both did at various times. And it's funny, we both ended up, well, God, this is such a pain point, let's do it. So the goal of this episode is to make it so that if someone has done the same thing, they know what to do. But more likely, most people aren't as weird as you and me to go that far out to say, all right, what do you do to not go there? So you can just fix your sleep, which gives you a lot more power, so you don't have to hit the bottom the way the way we did. So what, uh, what did you spend 45 grand on? Yeah, let's go through that list. So first was a mattress. And again, we talked about Essentia. Spent 10 grand on their Procore, which is a custom-made mattress. I would say if you're a side sleeper, it's absolutely the best mattress. Um, We'll talk about pressure points in a minute. But if you're a side sleeper, you need more weight distribution because you're going to have more compression on your shoulders. If you're a man, if you're a woman, might be your hips. So one of the ways you can disrupt your sleep is pressure points. If your shoulder is getting filled with blood and the blood's trapped, your body's going to toss and turn as a way to release the blood flow. And that's happening while you're sleeping and that will disrupt your deep sleep. So when I realized that, I thought, well, I need a memory foam mattress so that it'll spread the weight out evenly. When I started doing all the research on memory foams, Essentia was the one that that stuck out to me because, again, they're not using... Um, materials that off-gas for six months. And I love the fact that I could customize each zone. So they'll literally look at your body and say, okay, well, you're this height, your shoulders are this width, and and then you can customize your wife's side or your partner's side. And my wife has white hips because she's a Latina. So let's customize that zone for her. And both sides feel differently. And it just feels like you're sleeping in a cloud. Um, I think it's it's amazing. And I know they're coming out with a new mattress. I tried it at at your show, which was just phenomenal. So yeah, I think a great mattress is key. If you're a back sleeper, then the Samina mattress is another viable option, but I'm just a super fan of Essentia. And again, not paying me to say this. I'm just a legit super fan. I've had the the CEO of both Samina and Essentia on the show talking about mattresses, uh, Matt. So totally like your recommendations there. And look, if you're not going to replace your mattress, uh, which is okay. You know, that's an expensive, big investment. Um, sometimes there's toppers, there's other things you can do. And, and that's why there's just a whole set of knowledge. But you're basically saying the surface you sleep on matters greatly. And we could talk a lot about toxins and softness and all. But you said something that listeners should understand side sleep versus back sleep. Give me the pros and cons as you see them. And we'll see if we line up on what we see there. If you ask any chiropractor what's the best, they will tell you it's a, a back sleeper. Here's one of the interesting things about your brain, though. Your brain's position will activate or deactivate certain parts of your brain. So for me, if I'm on my back, I'll actually go into a pretty intense theta wave experience. 
and I can't really hit that next wave. So I like usually I'll hit my head on the pillow, I'll go on my back, drop down to theta. And then once I feel my brain's in theta, I'll I'll flip over to my side. Cause if I just stay on my back, my brain will continue being active. So I think optimal is probably back, but for some of us, it's just not feasible or doable. So yeah, let's talk about the perfect way to be a side sleeper, which is a bit of a different point. So what you really want is you want from your neck down to your feet to be as aligned as possible. So there's a couple of little tricks you can do to do that. One is ideally you've got a really thick blanket or some people use a really thin pillow between your knees so that your hips are not pulling down. And, you know, again, you're trying to straighten out your hips as much as possible. I use a really thick weighted blanket, which achieves the same effect. And again, in terms of the using a memory foam, it'll help if you've got the right density, you should have a straight line from your neck down to your sacrum. Now, here's another tip. If you are a side sleeper, hug a pillow because your shoulder will start slumping over while you're sleeping. If you can hug a pillow, you're not going to get that weight pulling all night long, which again, will help prevent some back back problems, shoulder problems, et cetera, et cetera. So those are some good tips for any side sleepers. But what I brought up earlier, Dave, I'm curious what your opinion is. Um, and I was looking at research on brain positions and how it impacts and activates different parts of the brain. And I knew experientially that was true. And the research says that it is. And what, I'm, what I said was if you're on your back, for me, I go to a, this theta brainwave state, which is great to get primed for sleep, but I'll, I'll tend to just stay there and hang out there. So as soon as I flip on my side, that's when I pass out. But yeah, what's your opinion on sleep positions? Well, I would say one pillow probably isn't enough if you're a side sleeper because your arm needs to be in a natural position. So putting your arm all the way across because you have one of those thin pillows that they oftentimes have, especially if you have shoulders, isn't going to work. So you actually might consider what I do. I have two pillows in one pillowcase, so it's really firm. That'll hold my arm up if I'm side sleeping. Uh, and then same thing, you want to draw a line from your spinal cord through the top of your head. And when your head's on a pillow resting, your head should be straight. So you don't have a kink in your spinal cord and block cerebral spinal fluid recirculation. So that usually requires a couple pillows and probably an ergonomic pillow on the top that provides just a little bit more support for your neck. So your head rests and that is all the difference for side sleepers, but I haven't seen research, but there may be some, I just haven't seen it, about sleep position and whether you're more likely to have a dream or go into deep sleep. But what we do know is if you're a side sleeper, you get a lot more wrinkles on your face um, because of gravity and because you're smushing your face. So any of the anti-aging people we've talked to will tell you sleep on your back, except most people when they sleep on their back in today's world will snore a lot because we have narrower palates than we should because of a whole bunch of stuff we've covered in detail on, on this show before. Um, we also have uh, sleep apnea and your tongue can fall back. So what you want to do is tape your mouth and maybe put in a bite guard that stops your jaw from falling back. So if you can actually go to sleep and stay asleep, and you can measure using something like sleep space, 
um, or anything that detects snores, you can say, all right, how much snoring do you have? If you have five or 10 minutes, it doesn't matter. If you have 45 minutes to an hour, you got a problem. And I used to have tons of snoring. I don't anymore. I can back sleep, but it took me fixing my diet uh, as well as fixing my bite and taping my mouth before I got my snores down. So I would say I would sleep, I would trade off wrinkles. I'd have wrinkles to have a good night's sleep, um, but it shouldn't be necessary. If you are going to side sleep, you want to sleep on your right side because when your heart is higher, there's less work for it to pump and it seems to work better. And there was actually a study about that that I cited in probably Superhuman. Um, but it actually, no, I cited that one in my brain book, um, I believe, in, um, in Headstrong. And that was the one that talked about changes in all-cause mortality from which side you sleep on. Uh, that's probably what it is. And then you do want the head of your bed to be elevated so your cerebral spinal fluid can more easily circulate. And there's good evidence for, I think, Alzheimer's with that. Uh, and that means that you put blocks under the the front of your or the head of your bed, but not the foot of your bed. So you're at about a six degree incline. So those are kind of the the tricks there. But I would love to know if there was an association between side sleeping and deep sleep that works for everyone, or whether that's just you know for you and for you is one side better than the other to get deep sleep. And for you, is one side better than the other to get deep sleep? If I go on my right side, um, and that's more of a shoulder issue um, because my, my right shoulder is a little jacked, I can't do it. So I have to go on my left side. Just a, just a comment on, on what I was mentioning in terms of head position. I'm not saying it correlates to more deep sleep. I'm saying that I have a trouble falling asleep if I'm on my back. My brain's just oh. hyperactive. Oh, you just can't fall asleep. I thought you were talking about the amount of theta, which is typically dreaming. Oh, in that case, um, it's probably um, some kind of uh, trauma response where the body doesn't feel safe on its back. And this is entirely unconscious stuff. We mm -hmm. all have weird things that our bodies do that are by design entirely invisible. So somehow it figured you couldn't do it. Um, if you look at how animals and cavemen sleep, there's a couple of studies of those. Um, they usually sleep on their side, not on their back. It's unnatural to sleep on your back with all of your organs exposed for the tigers to eat. So the aboriginal cultures that they studied, um, in fact, there was one guy who wrote this great paper. He looked at all of them who still slept traditionally. They slept on hard surfaces, you know, maybe a little bit of padding. Um, they always slept with their heads slightly elevated if they could. So no one ever goes backpacking and you know puts your your head downhill if you can possibly avoid it. You want to sleep at least sideways to the hill or with your head uphill. And they'd sleep on their side and they'd use their arm. So for about oh three months, years ago, I slept on the floor just on a really thin, um, hard mat. And I didn't use a pillow, which is what they did. And I found I could do it. It took me about six weeks to learn how to do it. My neck still hated it. And I said that was dumb. So I, I tend to like a very firm mattress, like a firm Essentia. Um, and I do use a pillow. But I, I try the Aboriginal stuff. And I think that's our most natural historical thing. So that could just be your, uh, what do you want to call it? Your ancestral knowledge in your nervous system, just saying there might be a tiger. Well, let's talk about the perf how to pick the right mattress density. You just brought that up. So again, the goal is to minimize and even out the pressure per square inch. So the heavier you are, the more softness you need. 
the wider you are, if you have wide shoulders, if you're a man or wide hips as a woman, the more softness you need. The shorter you are, the more softness you need. So I'm not surprised you're a tall man that you you prefer hardness because again, you've got more surface area to spread out. And if you're a back sleeper, you again, can get away on the harder surface. So if you're a side sleeper, you want more softness. If you're heavier, you want more softness. If you're wider, you want more softness. And the opposite is true um, on the other side. One last comment too on the pillow. If you are using a mattress and you're a side sleeper and you're sinking in, uh, you you tend to want to use a thin pillow. So my pillow, going to use a Sentia pillow, this is the thinnest one they have because it, you know, prior to that, when I was using normal mattresses, I needed a thicker pillow. But now because I'm sinking in so much, if I use a, a thicker pillow, it's going to tilt my neck. So, Awesome. There's a whole thing around alignment of your spine. If I sleep on like a typical hotel's soft mattress, and some hotels have them now, usually they've been pretty firm, I get back pain that lasts for a long time. And it, there's just not enough support there. There's also the glymphatic circulation system in the body that pumps your lymph, but also pumps your cerebral spinal fluid. Mm-hmm. If you're on a hard surface and you breathe, you're probably getting more movement of lymph tissue just through the, the breathing and relaxing than if you're on a super soft surface, but that's getting kind of out there. So bottom line is, you want to find the mattress that makes you sleep really well and sleep on that one. Uh, but there's some directional clues about which one that's likely to be based on what you just said. So yeah, so the next major investment I made, and they actually rarely talk about this for sleep, but is the Nano-V, which is about $15,000. So here's how you use the Nano-V for sleep. You run it for about 90 minutes before bed. And what I found, and I've recommended this to a lot of nano v users and they pretty much all said the same thing around 75 to 90 minutes your nervous system really shifts over and one of the ways to just get better sleep is to shift to your nervous system from sympathetic to parasympathetic right from fight flight freeze to relax calm healing and the nano v is very effective if you run it that long like i know typically a session is 20 30 minutes which is great does all kinds of good things, but that nervous system shift is pretty profound. Again, at that 75, 90 minute mark, the cool thing is you can run it while you're sitting on the couch, chilling, playing with your kids, doing whatever. So it's kind of one of those hacks you can use and and live life. But I would say that anything that shifts your nervous system is a very, very good thing. Again, shifting over to parasympathetic. So I was 10 grand. I use this oxygen ionization machine from Australia called Ilanra. Something that not a lot of biohackers know about. And it's a really powerful machine. Now, again, this is not an oxygen machine. And if you use an ORP meter, and ORP meters means that it's an oxidative reduction potential meter. And what it does, it measures oxidation or antioxidation. If you, a lot of people will use it to measure the oxidative levels of water and other fluids. Now I took my ORP meter and I put it in front of one of the needles. It's it's this device with all these needles and it was a minus 1500. There's nothing that I've ever recorded that has that level of negative charge. Mm -hmm. If you have super, super charged, like negatively charged water, you might hit minus 500. That's rare. So to see something at minus 1500, that, that was interesting. It's one of those things you can feel and you can actually even program the frequency that is being used to to charge 
the electrons. Like there's a setting with you know, delta, alpha, theta, et cetera. But it's, it's pretty powerful. And I do find that you wake up feeling more refreshed. Like you just put it next to your bed. And I do find that it, it helps. And with the way it works is, again, these negatively charged molecules will make contact with positively charged toxins in the room and neutralize them. And I, I just want to say that I think air quality in your bedroom is really important. And of course, you can use air purifiers like Jasper, IQ Air. There's a bunch of really good ones. Um, but using an air purifier is different than what we're talking about here. Here, we're really talking about kind of supercharging the oxygen molecules you're breathing. So that was a good one. That's about 1200 bucks. I do sleep in a Faraday cage, um, lessemf.com. It looks like a mosquito net. Actually, it looks pretty cool. It's made out of silver, and I, and I do live in a penthouse, so there's a bunch of Wi-Fi and EMFs all over me. And I'm sad to report that it's one of the few things that did not improve my sleep, at least on the Oura Ring. Maybe it's helping other ways, but I didn't see any needle moving. And I do have, again, a Faraday cage on the bottom and around me. But I, what I've noticed in general with EMFs is some people are more sensitive than others. So I think some of us get more impacted and activated from the EMS than other people. Cooling pad, the chili pad. I think, yeah, Let's go ahead. pause on the EMF for a second there. Um, years ago, I also made uh, a Faraday cage and tried sleeping in it. It's probably better. But if you've done your work on toxic metal exposure and on nervous system resilience, it's probably not going to make a difference. So the fact that you that you didn't get a difference is an indication of health because you've got the resilience for that. Uh, I still think if I was sleeping in a high rise for long periods of time and I was going to be around you know, 15 different people's Wi-Fi routers, there's, there's an argument for doing it, uh, but it tends to retard romantic activities. Uh, we'll put it that way. Um, you know, it, it's, it's like, how much are you willing to do? I have traveled for two years with a EMF blocking sleeping bag that I'd use in hotel rooms. Like it weighs two pounds. It takes up room in my luggage. I wasn't measuring a difference, not worth the squeeze for that much juice. So I don't do it, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah. We're in sync. So next, so let's talk about one of the best bangs for the buck I think anybody can do, and especially if you're a man because men's bodies tend to be hotter or if you're a, a woman in menopause, same situation. But it's the chili pad, and they've just come out with V3. Uh, Todd, uh, the owner, was at, at your event. That was one of the most biggest game changers I've ever, ever used, and that's because even though my room was 16 degrees Celsius, 65 degrees Fahrenheit, I was still sweating a lot under the blankets, right? Your body will trap the heat between your shoulder, your body, and the mattress. And that's why I was losing three to four pounds of water while I was sleeping. So I was waking up feeling dehydrated. And looking back, there's no wonder I was getting zero to 15 minutes of deep sleep. So the chili pad, again, for anybody that has a warm body, is one of the best investments that can make. And I just bought the V3. It's definitely a lot quieter and it works really, really well. You can get it as cold as you can handle. But that, that's been a really, really good investment. So lo love the chili pad. Thanks, Todd. Um, spent about seven grand on a bunch of PEMF devices, the Earth Pulse, the Delta Sleeper, 
the Beamer. So the Beamer destroyed my sleep. Okay. They actually have a sleep program and I tried it and it like, it destroyed me. Okay. So cannot recommend that. I love the Beamer. I think it's a good PMF device, but not for sleep. The I'm, Earth- so, okay. I'm so glad you said that. Um, there's a lot of PMF things that scramble your body. <laughs> um, yeah, the Beamer can work really well. I, did, I haven't tried that one before sleep, but I'm just glad that, that this idea that more PMF is going to be good for you. I have found a negative result from most PMF. All right, so what was your next PMF that you tried? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the Earth Pulse. <laughs> so the Earth Pulse is these two magnets that you can control and you can control the frequencies. So the Earth Pulse, the first night, absolutely destroyed my sleep. I will say they had one program that, seemed to enhance it some of the time. And it was a more sophisticated program where we try to walk you through these different frequencies, but it was a little bit hit and miss. So I can't really, you know, blanket recommend Earth Pulse. Now, the one that did, I think, have positive results is the Delta Sleeper. Um, there's another name for it, but you put it on your brachial nerve, you push it, it sends a little bit of Delta pulses for about 15 minutes. Mm. And that seemed to improve uh, sleep a little bit. Certainly helped improve sleep latency. And I've talked to other people that have used it and they've reported that as well. Go ahead. That one didn't do anything for me. It's a little stick on one. Yeah. And the, the one that's really made the biggest difference for heart rate variability, but not duration of deep sleep is the Halo, H-A-E-L-O. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that one's really worked for me. I sleep with that one every night. It's the only PMF I've found that, that works for sleep. All right, let's talk about sleep devices, sleep tracking devices yep. and devices. And, and there's one that actually kind of is a hybrid of a device and a PMF. So I think we were both users of the Zio when that came out. I remember in your original blog, you mentioned it. Um, he, here's what people need to understand about sleep tracking. Anything that is not an EEG at best is going to be about 60% accurate in terms of measuring the specific amount of delta or the specific amount of REM. What you will typically get, though, is let's say combined, you're getting three or four hours of delta and REM. That total amount is in the ballpark. But what I've found using actual EEG headsets is that it's very inaccurate to actually tell you exactly how much deep and how much REM you're getting. And I've talked to other sleep scientists and they all say the same thing. So the Oura Ring is great, I think, for readiness and your overall body's recovery. I think the readiness score is accurate because it's measuring a direct measurement, which is HRV, heart rate, and body temp. But in terms of actually tracking sleep, it's only using secondary metrics. So the Zio was an actual EEG headset. It was very good. Of course, Aura, still a fan of it. Uh, but again, I, I, you got to take the results with a grain of salt. Now, there is a, there's another headset called Dream, D-R-E-E-M, and I bought the first version. Yeah, me too. <laughs> which, you know, if you look at the original DARPA research on how they built that headset, it the the research was amazing. So that means that there is something promising about pulsing delta waves when your body hits delta sleep to try to increase the amplitude. It's basically entrainment. But I did find it hit and miss. Like some some nights I would wake up and just feel incredible. Other nights I felt like the the pulsing compromised my sleep. And that's the thing with the PEMF devices. I just find that 
it's hit and miss and they haven't truly refined it. And there was another device from Philips that mm -hmm. used the same technology or the same research that DARPA did on these pulses, these Delta pulses, but it was audio and it was just too uncomfortable to wear. My head would get hot. Dude. All the headsets are worse than Zio, as far as I can tell. I did not like the Dream, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I buy every one of these things. But when you're sleeping with this helmet, and, and or not quite a helmet, but it's this pressure on your forehead, you're going to toss and turn. And th those are even really, truly not Victoria's Secret approved. So I don't want anyone listening to think, oh, I want to get a great night's sleep. I'm going to sleep in a PMF tent wearing you know a helmet with antennas coming off of it and a rectal probe. It's, it doesn't take that, but Matt and I are sleep hackers and we'll do just about anything to see what works. And if it's, you know, two hours, I can get eight hours worth of sleep. Like, okay, I'll sleep in the tent with the hat and I don't really want the probe, but okay, I would still do that <laughs> if I could save six hours a night and wake up feeling perfect, right? So um, just don't, don't want to scare you with all this stuff. You don't have to be that level of sleep hacker. We do that for you. There you go. Yeah, we spent, I spent 45 grand, so you don't have to. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Just don't, don't want to scare you with all this stuff. You don't have to be that level of sleep hacker. We do that for you. There you go. Yeah, we spent, I spent 45 grand, so you don't have to. So, yeah. so the last bucket is molecules. So peptides, sleep supplements, sleep compounds. Big deal. Um, we'll, we'll get into those in a minute, but you know, I think that what's great about sleep supplements is it can transform a bad night's sleep to a good night and a good night to a great night and a great night to an incredible night. Um, I was actually in Nicaragua a few days ago and a friend of mine was smoking cigars and drinking six cups of coffee and six mag, uh, Coke zeros and, and basically doing everything you shouldn't do for a good night's sleep. And I gave him the sleep potion and he showed me his O-ring score was 86. He's like, I can't believe this. So that's the power of using the right sleep molecules. You can really hack your physiology to shift it into a much better sleep. And of course, if you do all the things we're talking about, you're going to get a really, really good night's sleep. Um, but just to summarize kind of the six sleep disruptors, one is light and we didn't really talk about that, but you know, you have a company called true dark that, that sells lumen blocking glasses, right? Blue light blocking lumen blocking, which is really important. Light really starts in the morning. So light is a major signaler that sets and resets our circadian clocks. So in a perfect world, you're waking up and you're getting sunlight in your eyes, 
within 30 minutes of, upon awakening. And that's one of the, the best ways to reset or shift your circadian rhythm. I used to use these $400 glasses called Retimer when I would travel and sometimes- Yeah, me too. You know, they actually work. Like in terms mm-hmm. of moving your circadian clock, it's quite effective in the way it works. It just blasts your eyeballs with blue light. But you don't need that. You can just go outside, get some sun in your eyes. And I think it makes a major impact, not just in your sleep at night, but dopamine, serotonin. And I think there's a metabolic boost that happens as well, getting more light in the morning in comparative to later in the day. It's one of the things I've been incorporating in my sleep habits or just my, my health habits. And I do feel that the juice is worth the squeeze on waking up and just going for a walk for 10, 20 minutes and coming back. It's, it's powerful. So then in a perfect world, you're starting to diminish light in your environment about three hours before you want to go to bed. And, you know, you can, one of the powers of technology, you can automate that. So if you use like HomeKit or other technologies, you can start progressively dimming the lights in your home so that, you know, maybe an hour before bed, it's almost black, or you can use Dave's true dark glasses and truly block whatever. Blue or you could just get a dimmer switch and yeah. just go over there and slide it for like $12. What, what, if, I'm, what if I'm too lazy to stand up and go pull the switch I, down? What you need to do is then you can still get a dimmer switch and you buy one of Elon Musk's home robots and you tell it to go do it for you. I'm in. Uh, so, I mean, but just for listeners, my house actually is dim at night before bed. I have red lights and I have dimmer switches and it does get progressively dimmer and it's not automated. You just walk into a room and go, that's too bright and you dim it. And after you get used to this for a couple months, you realize how nice it is to have a calm, peaceful house at night that would be more like a candlelit sort of environment than under you know, East German interrogation spotlights, which is how most houses are wired today. Yeah, that makes a big impact. Second one is is pressure points. We talked about it. Again, the goal is to even out the pressures per square inch across your body. Talked about temperature. That's the third one. Let's talk about cortisol, adrenaline, and noradrenaline. And this is where supplements can play a big role. So in cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline are stress hormones, stress molecules. They get us engaged, get us activated. They activate your fight, flight, or fright sympathetic nervous system. And what we want to do is to minimize those as we go to bed. Now, magnesium is one of the most powerful molecules in general to start shifting your nervous system. So one of the things you can do, and we've had thousands of people send us reviews on magnesium breakthrough, take, you know, two capsules, 90 minutes or an hour before bed, and you will start shifting your nervous system significantly. It's very, very powerful. Here's one of the biggest sleep destroyers, and that's a full belly. So again, I'm from the bodybuilding world and back in the day, people would say, you know, eat a massive, drink a massive protein shake right before you go to bed, which now we know is absolutely one of the dumbest and worst things you can do to get good night's sleep. So whatever, you know, amino acid boost you would get from the sleep, I think would be offset from the destruction of deep sleep. And when I started tracking my sleep, that was one of the first things I improved is just try to eat like three or four hours before bed. In a perfect world, you're not going to bed hungry, but you're not going to bed with any lingering amounts of food. And a lot of people have used Masszymes or P3OM, which is our enzymes and our proteolytic probiotics, to improve sleep. And I 
And I do believe that it's because, again, it's helping clear out your digestive system, which again, if you're, if you got a lot of food in your stomach, blood flow is going to go there instead of going down to your extremities, which is going to help prevent your body, body's temperature from, from lowering while you're sleeping, which is going to impact your sleep. So full belly is the fifth one. Absolutely. One of the most destructive things you can do. And the last one is crazy beta brain train. So when you looked at insomniacs, there is a hyperactivity of beta brain waves in certain parts of the brain, almost uniformly. So what happens is people say, I've got the monkey brain. I can't stop thinking. I just can't stop the hamster wheel, whatever analogy they're using. What's happening is they've got hyperactive beta brain waves. And for anybody that's, that hasn't done 40 years of Zen, that's one of the things that'll improve as you do 40 years of Zen, your beta brain waves will go down. Alpha, alpha goes up, theta goes up, gamma goes up. But there are certain things you can do to decrease beta brain waves that obviously doesn't involve the city going to displays, which I completely, absolutely recommend. But if you take L-theanine or pharma GABA, both of those molecules will increase alpha brain waves, which you know, all the brain waves are always going, but what happens is as you increase one wave, the other waves tend to decrease. So if you can increase alpha as you're falling asleep or as you're preparing to go to sleep, your beta wave brain waves will tend to decrease. So 200 milligrams of L-theanine, 125 milligrams of pharma GABA has a big impact on alpha brain waves and a reduction in beta brain waves, which really helps you know improve sleep. So those are the six sleep disruptors. And Dave, it's okay. I want to get right into the, you know, optimizing the five sleep pathways on a molecular biological level. Um, I definitely want to get into it and just underline that was a, a lot of info in a small period of time. Uh, and this is in multiple books. I write a lot about some of the stuff in Headstrong. Um, and it's, it, it's, very important that you understand this stuff because people who are eating a snack before bed, you're wrecking one of the main five pathways. And you mentioned a couple ingredients and a lot of our live audience here is like, all right, what are the new things? Because I mean, let's face it, there are a hundred sleep supplements out there right now. Like everyone and their mother's trying to do it. And a lot of them look identical to each other. Um, you mentioned PharmaGaba, which isn't in most of them because there's an old study that says GABA doesn't cross the blood brain barrier, which is stupid because, well, why, when you take PharmaGaba, do you see a change in brainwaves? Who, who would have thought? So th there's evidence that it does. I like GABA as a supplement. But, okay, so what else are you doing chemically with these sleep molecules that's different? Because you've got a new sleep supplement, and um, yeah. it's actually a two-phase two thing. It's very different than anything I've seen before. First of all, I've been working on this for years. So I've been, I've been literally doing combinations for years. There was a certain staples that we'll talk about in a minute that I've been using. And what's great is your body never adapts. Um, starting last November, me and Mark Effinger, AKA Mr. Newt started doing prototypes. So we've done 55 prototypes. And what was interesting is we tried every known sleep molecule that's available, you know, as a supplement company, there's all kinds of people that want you to use your molecules. And a lot of them worked on some levels but you would wake up kind of feeling groggy, drowsy, and I didn't want that. So my goal was the following. One, I want you to fall asleep fast, 
no, no, let me rewind. First, I want you to want to go to bed, which for me is a struggle. I'm a night owl. I like stay, I like being awake. I like staying awake. So the first thing I wanted was to actually want to go to bed, which I was able to do. Second is fall asleep fast. Third is stay asleep. Fourth is get great REM, great deep. And five, which is really important to me, I want people to wake up feeling good, feeling refreshed, feeling rejuvenated. And that's the problem with a lot of sleep drugs and sleep molecules is that, yes, they will help you fall asleep, maybe stay asleep, but you wake up and you're like, you almost feel hungover. So anyway. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Many of the herbal preparations, especially herbals, Mm -hmm. you might as well just take an Ambien. Like you wake up feeling like a zombie. So I, I've been very careful with those um, historically because you know enough valerian root to knock me out was not useful. So I, I think it's a combination of what you've already taught here along with the molecules that you're talking about. That seems to work really well without the grog because it's still a problem. The stuff you pick up at the drugstore mm-hmm. that's made out of all natural ingredients is probably going to ruin your morning. I'm going to hit you with a controversial opinion. People should not use melatonin. For the most part, we'll talk about when you should and maybe use it. But now, you have melatonin in your sleep spray. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's, All right. let's, let's build up to that. Um, I'm one of the types that if I use melatonin, I will wake up after five hours, which, by the way, can be a hack. We'll talk about that in a minute. There is a gene that if certain, a lot of people have that will make the melatonin, make them wake up far earlier than they typically would. Usually I'll sleep seven hours straight, seven and a half. If I use melatonin, I'll wake up after five, five and a half, maybe six if I'm lucky. So I'm not getting a full night's rest. What I'm a much bigger fan of is let's get our bodies to naturally produce the melatonin. Your body will naturally produce 10 to 80 micrograms of melatonin. Now, people are like mega dosing melatonin, right? I mean, I'm not going to even name numbers, but some people have, you know, taken 100 milligrams of melatonin. To me, the best approach is let's give the body the building blocks, which are called precursors. And then let's Mm -hmm. give it the cofactors, which are transformers, so that it can naturally produce melatonin. And that's one of the reasons why magnesium is such a great supplement and magnesium mm-hmm. bisglycinate has some really good research. So that is one of the, the molecules inside of sleep breakthrough. And of course we have magnesium breakthrough, which is seven different magnesium, which we've done an entire show on. Now, again, the start with cofactors, taurine and P5P, which is a bioactive form of vitamin B6 are great cofactors for melatonin. Now here's a, here's a clue on melatonin precursors. Anything that increases serotonin, because serotonin is a precursor to melatonin, will tend to improve sleep. And that's why some people, when they use about maybe you know talk about a teaspoon of honey or a little little bit of fruit, like maybe five ten grams of, of sugars, will get a boost in sleep. And that is because the carbs, the sugars, will increase serotonin, which again is a precursor. To melatonin. And one comment back going back to light, melatonin is destroyed incredibly rapidly once your eyes are exposed to light. So in a perfect world, again, you're getting progressively darker so that the melatonin's not being destroyed. That's the whole reason why we talked about darkness. So that's that's sleep pathway number one is let's feed the body the precursors and the cofactors to produce natural melatonin. 
And for me, it's far more effective than using melatonin. Let's just talk about sleep minerals. There's four sleep minerals. We already talked about one, which is magnesium, but then there's a couple of other really interesting ones. When I was doing the research on different molecules, I stumbled upon this research when they were looking at mutant flies and looking at the neurons. And what they found is that sodium activates neurons and potassium quiets them down. Now, most people are way off balance in their sodium to potassium ratios. They're taking way too much sodium. Again, I'm very pro-sodium, but in the perfect world, people would take a lot more potassium along with it. And potassium is amazing. It does really tend to quiet quiet the brain, and we found that it really makes a big difference in a sleep formula. So we're using potassium gluconate, and then let's talk about calcium. Calcium, well-researched, improved REM, and it does also tra- transform tryptophan into serotonin, which again is a building block for melatonin. So it's a really good one. Then zinc orotate. So zinc in general, really important for the metabolism of melatonin. So it's a cofactor and it has a calming effect on the nervous system. So those four minerals in the right ratios are is very impactful and you feel it. You feel the nervous system shift. So what we recommend is, again, take two magnesium breakthroughs and drink the sleep breakthrough, and it'll it'll really prime you. Sleep pathway number three we talked about, which is GABA. Now, there's a better form of GABA. It is a lot more expensive, but we don't care. We just use it because it's the best. Yep. Called Pharma GABA, and it's more powerful. Now, people say GABA does not cross the blood-brain barrier, which is true, but there, we probably have GABA receptors through the intestinal tract, and then some people believe that it it does impact your vagal nerve, and that's how it's having an impact on your brain. All I can tell you is that GABA works. Pharma GABA works really, really well, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where if you're looking at it, insomniacs, their GABA levels are about 30% lower than normal people. So yep. optimizing GABA is very, very powerful, and it does create a strong relaxation response, which is going to help you sleep better. I mean, GABA is the molecule of chill. Fourth, we, we hinted about it, which is, again, let's increase alpha brain waves. That's a sleep pathway. So if we use about 200 milligrams of L-theanine, which is a naturally occurring amino acid, typically found in green tea, that increases alpha brain waves. And then if we use pharma GABA, that will also improve alpha brain waves. Now, what's great about L-theanine is it relaxes you without drowsiness. So like L-theanine, using 200 milligrams of L-theanine has been a go-to move of mine for years. Like, you know, it's one of the most powerful things I think anybody can use. And when you start stacking all of these things, it just gets better. So the next sleep pathway is body temperature. We talked about it. Now, three grams of glycine before bed will lower your body temperature by increasing your blood flow to your extremities. Now, glycine is an amino acid. It's been well-researched for sleep. It promotes faster sleep onset. It increases REM. And I think glycine in general is just an amazing amino acid. You know, there's a lot of other health benefits mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into. But again, one of the things I love about glycine is there is zero grogginess the next day. So again, there's that, that, that was really important because again, as we added certain sleep molecules, it would work in terms of falling asleep, but you'd wake up with a hangover. So we kind of pulled back a lot of different molecules. And what we ended up was with a really super clean sleep formula that's basically just minerals, amino acids, and then natural flavoring. So for flavoring, let's start with the most novel thing we use 
It's an African fruit called Katemfe. It is the most expensive sweetener in the world. It's actually a protein and it's incredible at burying bitter notes and has just a beautiful flavor. It's again, it's extremely expensive. It's five grand a kilo, but use that with a little bit of stevia. You have a perfect sweetness. Then we use some natural grape flavor, natural berry flavor, and then we use a little bit of spirulina just to give it a beautiful blue color. And that's it. That's the entire flavor profile. And then we also use silica um, as a another mineral in the mix, and it helps also just create a, a better texture. So it's super clean. Again, there's nothing weird. There's no herbals. Everything's an amino acid or a mineral, and it works incredibly well. There's no adaptation which is really important. Your body basically responds to it because there's, there's nothing down-regulating. And that's my whole gripe with melatonin is use melatonin, your body will tend to, to down-regulate and you need more and more of it and more and more of it. And then it takes you like six weeks to get off of it typically. Now, we did build another sleep product, which is a sleep spray that has melatonin. Now, why would we do that? First of all, it's about 20 micrograms per spray. And why we wanted to use a spray is so people can dose the perfect amount of melatonin. It also has California poppy seed and some different melatonin precursors like tryptophan and some tryptophan cofactors. Now, when should you use that? You should use it when A, you're traveling and you want to reset your circadian rhythm. Two nights is typically enough. Two, if you're one of the people like myself that tends to wake up before you want to when you're using melatonin, well, you can use that to your benefit when you know you're going to get six or five hours or four hours of sleep. So yep. if I'm going to wake up really early for a flight, I'll use it because I'm going to feel a lot better than if I don't. I'm going to basically you know, use that biological hack to wake up feeling refreshed and rock and roll. And then the third is... As, a, as like a sleep emergency, you know, if you do find yourself in those situations where you can't fall asleep, you can use it. And ideally you're using it maybe once or twice a week max, and it works really well. It will put you to bed. But for me, just for an example, like 40 to 60 micrograms is perfect. If I do more than that, I start getting into grogginess and all those those states that I don't want to experience. So I love the spray because you can really dose. And the same thing is on sleep breakthrough, it's a powder. So you can dose the amount. We, we recommend four scoops as a full dose, but we also recommend try three scoops, try two scoops so that you can see where you feel your best. And you know, for, for me, four is, is optimal and four is a full clinical dose of all those ingredients. And then we have magnesium breakthrough. And again, two caps, um, one hour to 90 minutes before bed. By itself, it's incredibly effective. But when you stack it with all these other ones, it's a game changer. And I'm super, super happy with it. I think it tastes amazing. It works incredibly effectively. And again, you've got a great stack for any situation, whether you're traveling, you can't fall asleep, or it's just a great night's rest. Let's go deeper on melatonin. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put you in the relatively anti-melatonin camp, um, mm -hmm. which is, and, and there's kind of three groups um, that that I've seen, and I've played around with being a member of each of them because I tend to be non-denominational in my biohacking. Like I'll kind of go down a path, but then I'll try a different path, and it, it's just a curiosity thing. So 
my first perspective on this was, look, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So you shouldn't really take more than the physiological dose, which is 0.3. Uh, I th- I think anyway from the research that I did, and I'm pretty sure the the discrepancy is brain for sleep versus whole body because melatonin has cancer fighting properties, for instance, mm-hmm. and um, and other cellular protective properties that have nothing to do with sleep. But we also know that melatonin is uh, basically a source of insulin resistance. So as melatonin goes up, your insulin resistance goes up. Melatonin goes down, you're less insulin resistant. That's one reason you don't eat before you go to bed because you're not going to be able to make use of the sugar because melatonin is coming online if you do it right, except the food even helps to block some of the melatonin. So you get this weird incompatibility. So then you look at most commercial supplements have three to nine milligrams going back over the last 30 years. Those are the doses. So 10 times physiological, we don't know about absorption. And there was all sorts of concern that maybe you'll turn off your own natural production, but people have been using those for a long time and it hasn't destroyed everyone's sleep. So it seems like that's probably overdone. And then more recently, um, with um, that which shall not be named for fear of censorship, um, people started saying, hey, that's weird. If I take more like the nine milligram doses, I'm seeing a reduction in symptoms because of the anti-inflammatory effect and the antioxidant effect. So then you have a few people, including some advanced cancer doctors who are recommending up to 100 milligrams of melatonin, which is a very, very high dose. Um, And I've played around with being in all of those camps. And I ended up, um, me, I take about three milligrams. So I, I know it has a systemic effect. It doesn't keep me up. And by the way, if it was one of those people where it woke me up the way it does for you, then it would be wrong for me. However, most people aren't aware of this. If you're thinking about trying very high-dose melatonin, like the 40, 50, 60 uh, milligrams, um, the way some biohackers, some sleep people are talking about, even people who have been guests on the show um, are, can megadose it, um, it can cause, in some people, upper ventricular arrhythmia. In other words, it can destabilize your heartbeat. Uh, and that's happened to me twice from doing 60 milligrams. And uh, so I have the ability to diagnose that here. And then I went to the hospital and reconfirmed it. It took me the second time to figure out that that's what was causing it. It is very uncomfortable to do that. Like some of the people here in our group are saying, I've tried 20 milligrams, didn't notice any difference. So it's not without risk to go for super heavy dose. There's two PubMed uh, cases mentioned there of ER doctors who figured out this association. It's just not well known. That said, if you have cancer or metabolic dysfunction and you work your way up, um, there might be some evidence for it, but I don't think most of us should do high-dose melatonin all the time. The definition of high-dose, I don't know. Start with the lowest amount that works for you unless you're taking it for physiological purposes. And I think that's what you did in your sleep stack, right? Uh, the spray that you've got um, has the lowest dose and you can go up a little bit. Um, so I go, some nights I don't take any, some nights I take a little bit, I sleep the same. It, it doesn't seem to affect it. When I do take it is usually, I was in Dubai, what, three days ago or something. And I'm, you know, I'm fine. I do three milligrams to six milligrams on a day like that. Um, so I, I think what you're saying here, give your body precursors, let your body make it is brilliant. That's the right way to do it for sleep in particular. So that's kind of the the perspective on all the different camps. There's a risk from having too much. For some people, there's a risk from having almost any other than what's natural for some people, but the risk is lack of sleep. And for most of us, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But like you said, you got to be able to customize it, which is why with the spray model you have, you can do one or two or three, uh, and you're not anywhere close to a megadose or even to um, hitting that you know, one milligram level. Make sense? 
Yeah, love that. Thanks for for sharing that. I didn't know about the the heart issues. I mean, people don't realize melatonin is a hormone. So when people are using a hundred, and by the way, I've heard one guy use say two hundred milligrams. It's it would be like a bodybuilder use five grams of testosterone and inject himself. Like, and for those of you that don't know the the ranges, like TRT is seventy five to two hundred milligrams. And if somebody injects five grams of testosterone, which some crazy bodybuilders do, what happens is they feel like God, okay? They feel awesome. The problem is there's a whole cascade of negative consequences that will occur if they continue hyperdosing and maximizing. So I'm not saying melatonin is the same thing, but when you're playing with like these maximization doses, I think your advice of doing very short cycles is incredibly smart and critical. Uh, nice. The other thing I, I want to call out in the sleep stack that you put together on this this new product, uh, glycine is really important. In the and we may have talked about this together on a different episode. Um, there's this idea of glutathione being profoundly important as a primary detox pathway. The little known calcium deglucarate pathway or glucarination pathway. Uh, and then the final one is based on glycine. And that gets rid of most of the toxins in your body is one of those three things. And glycine is well-documented to help with sleep. It's also a detoxer. So the idea of taking the new uh, sleep, it's called sleep breakthroughs. I just call it your new sleep stack, but the new sleep breakthrough. Um, the idea there is you're getting a detox benefit that I think actually improves sleep quality because directly of detoxing plus all the amino acid effects. So this is a really well thought out, actually unusual formula. And just want to make it really clear, there's a bunch of them out there that throw in a couple common herbs and a dash of magnesium or whatever, or some 5-HTP. And then there you go, got a sleep thing. And I, I don't believe in that you should find pathways that people don't necessarily leverage and do something new and different. Otherwise, I'm not going to have just the random stuff on the show. It's not it's not worth listeners' time or mine, frankly. Clearly, um, you've done your your research on sleep uh, and you know lived this. And uh, this is a really interesting product. Sleepbreakthrough.com. You guys already know if someone's going to come on and talk about their work and they're selling something, you get a discount. Sleepbreakthrough.com slash Dave. Use code Dave10. And you already know Matt, if you're a longtime listener, he's a legit biohacker. And um, this is a well thought out, really interesting formula. And I know you learned a ton on this show anyway. So Matt, thanks, man. I, I think you've, uh, you've put something new and interesting together, the idea of using scoops. You can't take enough glycine pills anyway. And it's got a cool flavor. Um, it's got a cool color. Um, it's got the Pharmagaba, which I really like. And the spray does help with rapid onset sleep. I go to sleep in three minutes anyway, but I think I get down to two minutes with the spray. But I, I notice I'm just drowsier uh, more quickly. Question that we didn't cover though, when you're taking sleep breakthrough, how soon before bed do you take the powder? Yeah, that's a great question. So I take it about one hour before my target bedtime. I, again, here's... Here's my two favorite things about sleep breakthrough. One, it makes me want to go to bed, which I know maybe sounds foolish, but it's been one of the biggest challenges I've had around my sleep is just wanting to go to bed. I'm just one of these types that once I'm awake, I could probably stay awake for 20 hours and just keep working you, and living life, you know? You and me both. So yeah. 
Why just like being awake, you know? Yeah, right. Like if you have <laughs> if you have a mission, you have a reason for being here. Like this is fun. Um, yeah. What I do, same problem is you've got to take your sleep breakthrough, your sleep stack, all the stuff that helps you sleep an hour, sometimes even an hour and a half before bed, before when you want bed to be. And for me, I do that. And at the same time, I make sure I'm wearing my true darks, which I just put on if you're watching the video. And you know what? You will want to go to sleep. It, you'll get that signal if anybody says, get up, brush your teeth, go to bed. And if you want bonus points, when you take your sleep breakthrough right after that, brush your teeth. So then when it's time to go to bed, you won't have to go wake yourself up by brushing your teeth. You just go to bed, lay down, and just cruise through the night. And that's my general practice right there. My mother does that. And by the way, I got a great tip on cortisol, which you just reminded me of. So if you put on the blue light blocking glasses, again, you will basically start. The more than blue. You mean lumen blocking? The the full blue blue light blocking doesn't block amber. It doesn't block green. You got to block more than blue. Yeah. Which, by the way, I always, always wear your glasses on a plane. It's oh yeah, or doing a red eye. It's an absolute game changer. One one last sleep tip we did not cover, okay. which is the second wind, and it has to do with cortisol and stress hormones. So, as soon as you start yawning, okay, this is this is really important. As soon as you start yawning, in a perfect world, your head is going to be on the pillow within 15 to 20, maybe 30 minutes. That is the sign that your body saying, okay, let's go to bed. Now you can fight through that, which I've done most of my life. Like, you, right. can, you know, sure. Pushing that. And as soon as you feel your energy rise, you're not yawning anymore. Guess what happened? Your body has released cortisol because again, from a survival perspective, evolutionary biology perspective, it made sense that if you needed to stay awake to protect the tribe, to protect your family, that you could. So that's one of the big issues that you want to avoid. So again, a perfect world, an hour before bed, drink sleep breakthrough, put on Dave's glasses, and then you're going to start yawning for sure within 30 to 45 minutes, and then you're going to go to bed get a great night's sleep and feel awesome. Man, no one's talked about the, that that I'm aware of. But yeah, the the second wind you get there is highly addictive, especially if you are a night owl like you and me. Like that's how you're going to write your book. That's that's we're, we're meant probably from a cortisol receptor thing. We probably secrete extra cortisol or receive it better at that time because we're supposed to be the night guards. Yeah. And um, honoring the fact that, man, if you hit that, it's going to be hard to go to sleep and that you're not doing it right. It is something that I don't have in my sleep challenge and the sleepwithdave.com thing, uh, which is like training. And I'll update that to include sleep breakthrough, uh, because I've got sort of the set of knowledge there. So I'm, I'm really impressed, man. Um, you've got a ton of knowledge here and thank you for sharing it with listeners and you've got a new product and guys, if you're, Working on your sleep, you're probably going to try a variety of supplements. You may have noticed that I have formulated sleep supplements that also work, right? My job on this show is to help you find what works for you. And I actually don't care if it's something that I've made, something that Matt's put together, something that someone else has put together. What I care about is, is there a good likelihood of it working? Is it high quality? Is it pure? And, and is it put together by 
by good people. And if all of this is there, I will continue to always talk about the cool stuff. And it's not about getting you to buy this. It's about getting you to find what works to give you the best sleep you could possibly get with the least possible effort and frankly, least possible investment. So this is absolutely worth trying. And if this changes your sleep life entirely, then you're welcome. And if you try it and it's not the right one for you, keep working on your sleep because you will find which pathway is blocked. And eventually you're going to go like Matt and I both did from getting five minutes of deep sleep to reliably getting 90 minutes of deep sleep, even if you don't change the length of your sleep at all. And I will tell you, this is life-changing. If someone had told me this when I was 19, I'd been like, oh my God, I'm so winning. And you start changing your thinking to be about how much am I getting and counting that as a win instead of like how much did I have to get. And I think Sleep Breakthrough could help you with that. So there you go, sleepbreakthrough.com slash Dave, use code Dave10, save some money, and uh, more importantly, save some time by getting more sleep and less of it. Yeah, and we have a 365-day, no questions asked, money-back guarantee. I think we're, we might be the only supplement company that does that, and our refund rates in general are around 1%, which is well above, well below uh, industry standards. So yeah, if for some reason it doesn't work for you, we will give you every penny back, no questions asked. So give it a shot. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Matt. I'm sure that we'll be back on when you've gone out there and biohacked some other cool thing. Appreciate all of your support of the show. And man, keep making good stuff. We're, we're working on some, some really, really epic things in the bio lab that's going to take us several months of experiments. We're starting to do some cell culture testing. We're bringing cell culture experts. So we're really excited because that's going to unlock new portals of breakthroughs. So we'll be back soon with, with more breakthroughs. Can't wait to see it. Catch you later. Thanks. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.